Welcome to Bad Dogma, the podcast that looks up the skirt of the universe and uses the sands of time as a bridge from the present to the future. Now your host, who rarely knows which dimension they're in most of the time, Chris Solak and Mark Rasmussen. And welcome back to Bad Dogma. I'm Chris Solak, along with God's immutable chimpanzee, Mark Rasmussen. And uh, today we're being joined for the second episode uh, by Heather Williams. Yes. H- Heather, Heather's a, a dear friend and an opera- entrepreneur, mother, uh, an extremely patient wife. And the reason we even tease and laugh, and, and yeah. we're also very, very serious about that, is that if you listen to our first three episodes, her husband was on our show, Aaron Skelton. And, uh, and so it's to understand she, she is an incredibly empathic, incredibly powerful uh, woman. So not, like I said, just not just, just an entrepreneur though. It, it, you are a take charge personality, but with this very sweet coding, um, <laughs> it's very sweet. Like you even said, like you're, yeah. you're, you, you talk about your timidity and all this right. kind of stuff. Yet I don't think of you that way. I even hear, I even heard how you came off in the first episode and you're, you're very sweet. You're very quiet. And it's like, I just know this like lion in you. And I yeah. guess it just takes the right setting for it to come out. Um, but we were talking about your upbringing that you've overcome, um, for the lack of better terms, uh, your mother, your mother was very absent from the picture as you, as you went into the junior high and high school years, your, your grandparents did the very, very best they could with the very best that they knew how, but you've overcome, uh, crazy things where, with, uh, your, your, uh, your mom married someone who is very, uh, who abused their son, who, uh, exposed you to pedophilia. You had older boys in your life, way too much freedom, uh, just all kinds of levels of instability, even some spiritual manifestations, uh, that were very dark, uh, just in the home at a very young age, like all these kinds of crazy things. And, and here you are, we, we, we left the show. Your grandmother had just passed, and you're you're what 17 18 years old at that point um about 16 about 16 mm-hmm. so so again just at an incredibly vulnerable age right uh let's just talk about going for it because there's just i know there's more to unravel in your story um as you're as you're now it's you and your sister and your grandfather what is that dynamic like because he was more of the authoritarian than your grandmother. Did did he take that role, or did he kind of just leave things as they were at that point once your grandmother had passed? No. He was really never the authoritarian he wanted to be. Okay. But grandma really didn't let him. She wanted to handle us as far as... Um, sure. As far as how they wanted to raise us. She wanted that ball to be in her court. So... So things kind of went on as they they had been, where mm-hmm. you just had the freedom to come and go and kind of do whatever you wanted to, and so you, obviously at this point you're, what is your what 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 is life now like uh, as your grandmother passes? Obviously there's a there's a a vacancy for all of you, including your grandfather. What was that translation? What was that transition like for you, and and how did that start to change your role within the family? Um, well, my junior year of high school, it pretty much made me want to just leave. So I decided to graduate high school a year early and Smart I did. Smart cookie. 
by, by, by the standards, like people don't just decide to graduate early, Heather, and go, okay, I'm just going to graduate early. Like, I know you just take all that in stride because you're like this like hardworking, like pushing person. But like, I just wanted to stop you. Like people don't just do that. People don't just cut a year out of high school. So, I mean, so you just, you made up your mind. I'm going to do this thing. Well, me and my twin both did. Wow. But she didn't want to do her work. So I did her senior year for her too. So you graduated twice early. If you count the work. Yes. (laughs) Well, yeah. that, that's, that's the right. only way I know how you, so, so to make sure that you guys, she didn't have to go to school by herself, right? Um, it was, you know, we were going to school I know, and then together. online school okay, or correspondent school. Okay. But, um, she just never did the work. She was, she, so, so I did she it was for done her. a little bit before <laughs> you were. Well, she never graduated early cause she decided she changed her mind last minute. And your sister is a character. And I mean that in the most loving of senses, mm-hmm. like, Hannah is 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 just this vivacious, like fun-loving mm-hmm. person. She's a firecracker. So, so I can see, I could see her being like, "Hey, Heather, love you." She never even had to ask. I was just like, oh, "She's not Mama doing Bear. it, so I'm gonna do it for Mama right. Bear." Yeah. Right. Just like, I want to go back to bed. You know where it is. Yeah, exactly. You don't even have to say it. This is already done. Did did I graduate today? Yeah, you're good. Okay, great. I'm gonna go back to bed. Yeah. So, so you graduated. You and your sister from yeah. high school early. Okay, and that and was that because you just wanted out of the toxic environment of high school at that point, or I had a boyfriend too that he was graduating that year, so it was a mixture of the two. He okay. was a he was a good guy, you know. His family was pretty put together, very, very put together. You know, mom and a dad, and very weird for me. You're a little foreign, right? Yes. But that gives you kind of a, a, a some sense of a construct that that works mm-hmm. too. It kind of lets you into something that is, even though it may not feel normal, you 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 also see. I'm sure you saw the positives to it. Yeah. Even if it was a little foreign. Yeah, it was great. Just right? uncomfortable. Yeah, just, which is fascinating because earlier on you were saying about how you were you were yearning for that, you were desiring that. that it was it was almost a, a life focus for you at some point. Now to have this in front of you, and I, I I think we just shine a little light on this too is the fact that sometimes the more healthy step is always the most uncomfortable step. Uncomfort mm-hmm. uncomfortability is is simply saying this is not familiar to me. It's not right. that it was bad or it was mm-hmm. or it really was uncomfortable. It's really just unfamiliar. It's unknown. Right. It was unknown, and I felt very foreign. Um, I felt a huge pressure to keep up the image. Excuse me. You know, I didn't want uh, my broken family life to play a weird role in that relationship with him and his family, which I felt very, um, what's the word, insignificant. Compared to them, I, I just didn't feel like Less I fit in the puzzle. So you, so there's there is a little insecurity, yeah, that's that's, that's tied right. to that. Okay, mm-hmm. and 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 so you're going, I'm not I'm not like that, uh, and and so in that way, did you did you build, did you find yourself building barriers and and boundaries, in that relationship, or were or were you able to let your insecurities and walls down and overcome it kind of overcome it i mean you know i would go over and spend time around his family but i never felt comfortable 
I, n- I did not know how to be in that. I tried, but that there was just a huge barrier where I just I didn't even know how to be, you know, how to how to be, how to interact anything. It's interesting we talk about being, yeah. right? And that's just just to exist. Yeah. Just just how to just simply how to 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 be in an environment and to exist in it. And yet there's there's places that you can walk into and you just go, I'm uncomfortable here. And again, mm-hmm. you're you're in that developmental space that it's, you know, you're geez, if if you're 16, 17, 18 and you're somewhere you don't want to be, there's somewhere else you can be. You know, it's it's not something you generally make yourself do at that age. You're just like, ah, I'm just gonna be somewhere else. And and I'm sure that he was motivated to be somewhere else with you. So you didn't have to be around the family. You know, is only it is wasn't pushing your 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 threshold. No, they were very tight knit and I deeply wanted to be a part of that and a comfortable part of it. And that's and the funny thing is, is that you probably fit in. If he was sitting here, I would have a really hard time believing if he was like, no, she didn't fit in it at all. Because you do such a good job yeah. of, they probably would have said, oh, she was a really natural addition to the environment. Because mm-hmm. you're an incredibly, uh, you're an incredibly happy person in, in a social environment. Like, Yeah, but this is now. I'm different. It's taken me a long time to. But the mask wasn't the mask always trying to project that to a certain degree. Yes. And I just I'm saying I I I'd be shocked that if they weren't like no she fit in great Mm -hmm. you just felt different because Mm -hmm. because you know that's you're so you you're always so good at that because you're thinking of other people. You're always just by doing that. You're trying to ease something for someone else that they're not even feeling. Yeah. Well, it was you know it was always interesting because you you do the small talk right when you're getting to know people. Sure. And in high school, what do you talk about? You talk about oh, do you play sports? Oh, tell me about your parents. So it was always this. Oh, I know they're great. Now I have to talk about where's your mom? Oh, my grandparents raised me. Like those are weird things to say to people. Sure. When. When you're a kid, when you're in high school, because you know it's awkward. It's for everybody around. It's not like, that is wonderful. You know that there's something negative that led to that or, you know. So it was hard because I knew the story I had. I knew what I was, you know, when people wanted to know about my life, especially at that time. It wasn't going to fit the narrative they wanted to hear. It wasn't a comfortable narrative. So it was, you know, whether... There was just a connotation that went along with that that I may be placed on myself, but there were instances where, you know, living in a small town, there were, you know, people that didn't even want their their kids hanging out with me and Hannah because our mom had been a drug addict. Okay. You know. Yeah. No, that so that, pro- that probably spilled over into some insecurity. Well, sure. That's that's the uh, the added notion of the wrong side of the tracks, uh, the, which mm-hmm. would have been the the. the the 1950s interpretation of of uh, of all that kind of stuff, and and you, there's always there's always that social stigma that comes that you know, and you're of course you're going to be you're going to be more sensitive about it than anybody else is going to be. So you're so again, these are all these these aspects of awareness that you're having to deal with as as you navigate as you as you get older. So where does that start to shape your belief system and the way you look at the world and the way you handle the world around you um, as, as, as you now kind of step into adulthood? Mm-hmm. 
I moved to California after I graduated for massage school. Got away. Mm-hmm. At 17, I moved. And I I wanted to take on the world. You know, I thought, okay, I got this. Like, I've handled my life so far. I, I have this, whatever this is. And well, you, in all fairness, did senior year twice for you and your sister. So, And you did it a year early. So, I mean, when you've made the decision to be a world beater, you've beaten your world. Mm-hmm. So it makes total sense that you're going out there. You have that I was mechanism. excited. Yeah. It was just, I'm going to go do this and uh, maybe maybe guarded with people a little, but uh, I was very aware that I didn't want to be. Sure. So you're now in, you're now in California. You're, you're taking these steps uh, towards adulthood and, you know, why, 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 why go to school? Financial independence, those, those kinds of things. Did you, did you find, was there difficulty in, starting to create that life or did you, did you find life, you know, as a, I mean, you're 17, 17 and starting to try to build a life. Did you find there to be difficulty, pressure, uh, insecurity in doing that? Or were you pretty much good doing it out there on your own? Well, thankfully I didn't go completely alone. I had people that I lived with out there. Sure. My, um, my best friend at the time, Maria and her mom, I moved in with them. Okay. So she, you know, I had, um, I had support while I was there for a good part of school that unfortunately fell through for a bit. And then I was on my own, but I went out there with support. Okay. So here you are, you're, you're making the, I mean, you're, you're in life journey. So, so what is, what is that like at at that point for you? Are you, uh, are you starting to, to experience, you know, are you in the party scene? Are you, just working are you you know is it a normal existence i mean like what is what is that like for you because you're you're hyper aware that you're different in certain ways and so you you leave you're building a life you're building a new life right that this this is mm-hmm. this is your a whole new group of people they don't know who you are they don't know where you're from they don't mm-hmm. know what you're about what was the freedom in that I mean, there had to have been, it had to be liberating to a certain excitement. degree. Yeah. You know, I had been around the same people my whole life. So there was excitement. It was, was, I mean, it was great, you know, but I, I went to school and I was still, you know, going to parties, just new ones. Sure. With my best friend. Um, Exciting new social scene. Mm-hmm. So in that, in that, uh, is the growth the belief system. I mean, what, what is driving you at that point? Is it just, just having fun? Are you, you, you moving towards something? Um, I was still in deep grief over my grandma passing. Okay. Um, I was still, you know, the night that she passed was pretty traumatic. Me and my sister seen some pretty horrific stuff that night. And I was still extremely, I was very depressed and, uh, that's pretty much where my internal world was. I was just covered in grief and trying to cover it with accomplishing. So that was the mask. The mask was that you were going to to, to do well, become productive, mm-hmm. and that somehow would help you move past the trauma of your grandmother's passing. And would have fun. And, well, of course. You know. Well, mm-hmm. you got to have fun. You're in right. California and you're 17. I mean, this is, Come on. This is you know. Yeah. And there's lots of people who want to have fun with you at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that's so 
this life philosophy and and burying things, when does that start to to catch up for you? Because I mean, all of this stuff comes out at some point. I don't have a clear answer on that. Okay. I don't know. So, as as. Do you stay in California? I started experimenting experimenting with different drugs at that point. I don't know if that's maybe. Yeah, it's a form of medication. Yeah, it just. So, so what is your? I want to get a tap into this a little bit because, because it's really hard for people to have hope without a belief system of hope. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can pursue a job, you can pursue education, you can do all that stuff all you want. That's great. Once you achieve those things. It, it those moments become hollow because that was the that was the point and destination. Once you arrive there, you're on the mountaintop and you're always looking for the next mountaintop right. because you need something to strive for to keep yourself distracted again. Mm-hmm. So so you, you you get done with mis- mis- becoming a masseuse, a, a massage therapist, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you were top of the class. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. If there was one, however they whatever the grade scale was, you had to have been up there because that's a priority. And and so when but my question being is when do you when did when did things when did you start noticing like an absence? Like did you did, no matter what you were putting your hand on, no matter what you were doing, it wasn't giving you what you needed to to feel better to, to feel okay um so around the time that i when i was in massage school i was living with um i was living in a trailer park at one point working a couple jobs and going to school wow um barely paying any bills and anyway the guy that lived next door oh come live with us blah 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 you know i started dating him and lived there, found some sense of security there. Sure. And uh, that was rough, though, because it just didn't really, it wasn't fulfilling. You know, he um, was a pothead big time, and that just wasn't really working for me. So I felt a big sense of emptiness, I think, for my first time. I felt alone. Even though I had a boyfriend for the first time, I felt alone. And that's and that's the worst is to be in a relationship, and the relationship makes you feel more alone. That that the codependency kind of catches up to where it really becomes hollow. Where it's worked in the past, right? It's now not working in the way you need it to now. Yeah. So that's kind of a breaking point. In in. But does your does your life reflect that? Like you, you're coming to some of these realizations that some of these life strategies that have been presented to you are no longer working. So mm-hmm. was there was there any decision to correct that quickly, or was that just kind of like tough it out? Um, I I think I realized I wanted to be out of that relationship. Sure. Slowly but surely. You know, I ended up leaving, but really, I God spoke to me for the first time when I was at that house. Okay. And uh, that's, I was depressed and I was alone and just sitting on a bed. And, you know, I hadn't been praying for a long time. And one night he just said to me, I like heard in my heart, like my spirit, you know, I didn't hear it audibly, but I heard from my inside, get on your knees and pray. And I had never done that. And I never got on my knees and prayed, never even been around people that did that. 
So I just said, okay. And I did. And uh, I just crossed my hands. And I think that that was a moment where I experienced pure vulnerability or surrender. Wow. Um, I just, I feel a God right now. I just said, uh, Lord, I, I can't do this without you. And, but it was like, uh, that moment of me realizing, I think what was, I think what was happening spiritually is everything that I'd carried all those years. Sure. In that moment, I was at least for that moment, able to hand it over to say, I, I can't do this. And, uh, right when I felt that, or right when I said that, I just felt this like, like, like cold water, just slowly starting at my head and just slowly working itself just down to my feet. And um, I just remember, you know, opening my eyes and I was just like looking behind me thinking, oh my God's real. Like it was, I was witnessing it happen to me. And all I was thinking was he's real. He's real. Any context at that point as to who God was or just no. the fact that it's God? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just God. But the reality of it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. just experience having this, this spiritual manifestation. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just... So you felt water. Mm-hmm. Did 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 God speak to you as to what the water was for? Or were you just like I felt it? Just um, it was just filling me with love. It was just like it was cleansing me. You know, it was whether it was the depression, everything, the loneliness. I just uh, it was gone. Everything was completely gone, and uh, I just remember crying happy tears I think you know for the first time probably in my life because I felt like well someone has my back and that that had been missing your every story you've Mm -hmm. told you you wanted that Mm -hmm. every single encounter that you you've explained to us that was the desire and yet it always fell short this didn't fall short right this moment no. And there's nobody there. It's you, right? It was just me and a little room in a trailer park. There you go. Yeah. So I sat up. I felt like this this happiness and just something, you know, a piece of my puzzle I never felt before. And I sat on the bed and I turned on the TV and I said, I'm just going to watch TV and hang out. And I turned it on and one of my grandma's favorite songs came on the radio or on the TV screen. And it was Vince Gill. And it said, don't ever lose the light in your heart because life will get harder and harder every day. And that played the second I turned the TV on, that verse. And I, it just was like, okay, whatever this is right now, I can't lose this because this is where I find this feeling is holding on to this God that I just said I need. So not knowing who right. this God is, you're holding on to to the sense and and whatever has just transpired to yourself. Because I know I know those moments of transcendence, you have no clue what's really transpiring. Yeah, you just you, don't. you just get to feel the release mm-hmm. from the manifestation. So does that give you the strength? Do you continue to stay in that relationship, or do you get out of that relationship rather fast after that point? Within a couple of days. Within a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So that's the strength mm-hmm. to sever that emotional dysfunctional tie, right. and that was what gave you the strength to get your your tukus out of the trailer park. Right. So where do you go from there? I moved into my. I rented a room in a really beautiful house, and I just lived there by myself. So here you are, untethered. 
Mm-hmm. Heather, untethered. Mm-hmm. Is this a, a first for you? Yes. So this is literally yeah, a this, first for her. So that's the breaking of codependency right, right. there. Mm-hmm. Or at least right. the potential to right. start to break mm-hmm. codependency. It was the strength and the emotional healing right. to where you're like, I don't need to be with someone in that sense, just not to be alone. Right. I mean, I was still with sure. him, but we I'm, I decided I needed my own space. Oh, yeah. But there's some definite distance. And we right. all know that when you're like, cohabitating and then you stop cohabitating and you're still together. That's just like the eventual end. Mm-hmm. It's just a slow bleed out generally from there. And mm-hmm. so it's cause it's cause it's actual emotionally, there's an emotional bond and now there's emotional distance where there's already a bond formed. Like relationships like that rarely survive. There was a bleed out, but not before I got pregnant. Okay. Yeah. There was a bleed out, but so I got pregnant. He was in the military, came home to visit. Surprise. Yeah, I got pregnant, and he wanted me to marry him over the phone, and I told him I'm I can't do that. So he basically just told me he wanted me to give the baby up for adoption, and I told him I'm not doing that, and we're you're not going to see me anymore. So it was a one time thing, or a, a weekend fling. Um. Well, dated dated that for time, a period of time. Yeah. But okay. When he came home on a, on a leave, we but, I just had went down to visit him. I had moved back to, uh, I had moved away. Okay. So you guys had known each other for a while. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like an on. So this is, so, so that, that all transpires. You're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Does it get any more isolating than that? Trying to figure out what to do from that place. I'm just asking because that would, right. to me, now you're right back in that need for someone but you didn't seem to have that reaction with him. Like you're like, he's, you're no. not the one for me. No, I walked, I went to a church. That was the first time I ever went to a church by myself. Interesting. Mm. A Salvation so, army. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Salvation mm-hmm. army, good old Salvation <laughs> army. The, Salva- the uniforms. No, hey, now I'm going to tell you there, there's a lot of places to go when you're in crisis and Salvation army mm-hmm. churches. I, I will never discourage anybody from going to a Salvation army church because the, the one, the one reality to this is, and you can agree or disagree with me, but the reality is, is that those people, they take anybody in, in any condition, any state, any crisis, and they're willing to listen. And I, and I tell you, that, that is in itself is a beautiful thing. So you went, so something led you to a very safe place. Mm-hmm. Well, I went because I basically had to decide if I was going to get an abortion or not. Okay. So I decided I'll go to church and talk to God about it. And I sat in the back of the pew and basically left saying, fine, I'm keeping this baby, but you better help me raise it. So is there an, so, okay, there's a dialogue there though, that you just totally cut us out of the conversation (laughs) and that's fine if you don't want to have the conversation, but I got, I can't let you off the hook. I at least have to prompt it. Right. So you're sitting in the back of this pew and you're like, I'm getting rid of it. And the Lord, and, and you're, you're hearing some form of communication from God. What is he telling you in that moment? Can you remember? No, I just remember saying, you know, I just asking for help and, you know, with the idea, going back and forth with the idea of having an abortion or not. And I just felt him, it was almost like a, you'll be okay. Like, you'll be okay. We'll do this together. And once that was solidified in me that I know that, you know, the God that was there in that room that night is going to be here to help me raise this baby. 
Then I went out kicking and screaming, kind of having a hissy fit because I wasn't ready. Did you even but... wait for the service to end or did you walk out in like the middle of it? I waited. Oh, okay. That was nice. That was nice. That was very nice of yeah. you. Totally not there for them. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but, but, but there to commute. It's interesting. So you didn't go there to have a conversation with. Anybody? No, I didn't anybody. talk to anyone. You just simply went and said, "I I know that there is a. I understand that God resides in the church. I went to a church, therefore, yes. to have a conversation with God. You had that conversation and you left. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm catching up. Yep. Very slowly. So here you are. God has said, "I'm with you. I'm going to do this with you. Keep the baby, mm-hmm. and, and so you're going to be okay. And that from that point, you made the decision. To, I went and bought baby clothes. Oh wow. And. I went with my grandpa to, it's really funny. I went to Iowa as his date for his um, like 50th or 60th or 70th high school reunion. Oh, wow. And it was so much fun. But on the way home, uh, I was showing, like I was really big. And I sit down next to him. I hadn't told him a thing. And a um, flight attendant comes up to me and says, you are so cute. How far along are you? And my grandpa's sitting right next to me. So I just looked at him and I said, surprise. <laughs> so, so okay, I, I got to ask. He <laughs> didn't like, notice he until no this moment? Clue. Well, in all fairness, from what we've heard so far. Not a surprise. Yeah, yeah. they were. Yeah. I mean, when you, you know, wait, wait, in his defense, he did say, I knew you were peeing too much. He didn't say that. <laughs> so he knew. <laughs> What a grandfatherly thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. But he supported it 100%. He's great. Wow. So you move back home in a sense. I was already living home. You're already at home Mm -hmm. at this point. With grandpa. With grandpa. Mm -hmm. You, grandpa, and the baby. Baby, yes. Yeah. Baby in in stasis. Yes. And, And so that's... You're, it's you on your own. I mean, right. I know Grandpa's there, but, but I think he's proven that he isn't there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but there's only he, there's going to be a certain limitation. I right? Mean, you're you're doing this again now. Now it's which which totally makes sense knowing you, right? In the sense because you're Mama Bear, right? You have and you've always had this like Mama Bear persona. So uh, very take charge. Motherhood Absolutely. is kind of like it. it it looks good on you. Like you wear it well. Right. And that's not an easy thing to do. Um, okay. So you're, you're now facing this though. And, and it's a, it's a lot different of mentally preparing and emotionally preparing to be a parent than actually being one. And then a single parent nonetheless. Right. And how old are you? At this time? Yes. I'm 19. Okay. We're 19. Oh dear God. A lot of life packed yeah. into those 19 years. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of life. Yeah, 19. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how terrified are you at this point? Like inwardly, um, inwardly. I know outwardly you look great. You're, you're really good at the mask. We got that part. Mm-hmm. What was going on inside? Oh, I was scared. I was scared, but I knew I would do a good job. See, and there's yeah. just like there's that. I, I, like I knew once I, I decided it. to keep the baby, I knew I'd be good. Mm-hmm. So. Your son comes along? No. No. I was 19. Okay. And two weeks after oh going to church, I miscarried. Oh, my gosh. Okay, oh, so wow. this is a whole part of the story I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I didn't know this part yeah. either. Yeah. Okay, so you, but you were resolute. You were going to keep the baby. And then and then two weeks later, you have a miscarriage. I, I was at an ultrasound, my first one with, or not, yeah, my first one with my, my twin sister. And my mom was there. She okay. was doing all right. So she was in the picture a little bit. And we went and they just said they there wasn't a heartbeat. Okay. Uh-huh. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. So the grief from that. I never grieved at that moment. Wow. I mean, I did maybe for a week, just tears, but um, yeah, that would definitely wasn't the... Was grief a concept that you even comprehended at that point? Because you'd gone through a lot of experience where grief yeah. wasn't part of your process. No. I felt extreme sadness and, and loss, but um, I didn't grieve for many years until I, way after my, when I was pregnant with my son now is when I finally grieved that loss. Okay. Wow. So you just kind of put that away. You kind of put mm-hmm. it behind you. Just, it happened. Yeah. Things happen. I'm going to go on with my life. Mm-hmm. So just take us through like the, the next steps. I mean, as, as you started to go forward, I know, I know you're pushing, pushing past that you go in. I'm assuming you're going back to work. You're going back to, to just focusing on building and creating a life, establishing mm-hmm. a life. You were 19 years old. Got my first massage job. Just started working as a massage therapist. Started going to college. Decided I massage school wasn't enough, so I needed to get a better degree. So for you some get, reason. Oh well, why not? And right. more education, more dollars, right? Everybody, mm-hmm. everybody believes I that. I love the financial aid. That's probably the big reason why. Is yeah. I got that financial aid. Hey, when you don't have, when you have two parents that are absent, you get a lot of money every month. There, yeah. I was gonna <laughs> say that would help. See, there was finally an advantage. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're, you're humming along, you're getting, you're getting, you're getting your education, uh, life's leading you down, you know, new paths, you know, what are the next speed bumps that you encounter? Mm. I fell in love a couple of years down the road with a man that, uh, yeah, that one was a doozy. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't go well. No, um, he had been through a lot, you know, a lot of abuse and stuff in his life. And, uh, you know, we had good moments and that one was just really tough. He was recently divorced. You know, she had had some infidelity and things like that. So a lot of that was carried into our relationship and physical abuse, you know, but it was sexual. It was sexual, physical abuse. Okay. Just really, yeah, that one's rough. Yeah, and so you, you, you again continue to like these people seek you out. There's, there's, yeah, there's this, and the reason I even start to set this up is because of where it ultimately leads. Because there's a pattern here that is just I find r- ridiculously incredible. And as we get to uh, that stage of your life. Uh, it's it's just incredible to hear you give account to to the people that came and went in that capacity um, before before you ultimately encounter Aaron down the road, mm-hmm. and so uh, we're gonna take a quick break. Again, we're gonna come back and talk with Heather Williams more and her incredible testimony uh, of of her life path and and how God brings her to such a, a, a an act of completion and and peace. And so just hang in there with us as we'll be back with more with Heather Williams right here on bad dog. Now back to the bad dogma podcast, your weekly dietary supplement of truth amidst the Twinkies and ho-hos of the media world. And welcome back to bad dogma. I'm Chris Solak with Mark Rasmussen 
And uh, we were talking with Heather Williams as we were continuing on here in episode two with her. And we're talking about just her incredible story of uh, just a life that has just had to endure and overcome. Yeah, rough uh, journey. Definitely. I, I think we're at age 19. Right. And you've already experienced you know, more than most people do by the age of 80. So just in, in I mean, it's unbelievable just the, the uh, uh, how, mu- how much you're having to handle by yourself, yet the right. presence of God. God has revealed himself to you. He gave you peace. You, you've, right. you've had this miscarriage. Um, you're moving on with your life. You, you, we just left things where you, you went through, you fell in love with someone, and yet this person was, was in no condition, doesn't sound like yeah. any condition to return love, working through their own kinds of things, doing the right. very best they could. Right. So, so I'm assuming that a relationship didn't last for very long. Right. Uh, in the at least at least no. in the longevity right. of things, right? So, so but take, a consistent pattern that we've been talking, yeah. About, right? So, yeah. so yeah, about so, a year, year and a half. Okay, mm-hmm. so take us take us past that, Heather. Continue to kind of lead us forward as as you know your life is progressing at this point. Well, I think it's important one thing to note with him. Um, with him, I actually waited for almost a year to have sex with him. Okay, which yeah, about eight or nine months. Guarding yourself. Yeah, which that was, you know, very different from my my past relationships was um, just speaking to how I was progressing. I realized that was very important for me to, I wanted to make sure that I was with a good man, you You're know. You're setting boundaries in the right. way. Right. So, yeah, I feel like I should note that. No, absolutely. No, well, it's a conscious adjustment, right? We get to these points in life where, where we have to make a con- an adjustment. We just do. We recognize it and we do it. Well, it's when we go from the unaware right. to the aware. That's mm-hmm. it. And yep. we go, you know what? That didn't work for me last time and it hasn't worked for me in the past. Right. I'm going to change this now and see how this goes. And, right. and you're trying to prove what is to be true for your life. In that right. way, and it's and so you've taken what hasn't worked, and you're applying something that is different to that. And, right, and so I that's figured if I handle things, you know, how do I handle things to if I want this type of man? I was able to start thinking about that at that age. And I would think too that you're saying, hey, if you really care about me, then that isn't going to be the focus point. Being with me is going to be the focus point, mm-hmm. not just having sex with me. Mm-hmm. And right. so, which is, I mean, which is the utter truth. Right. So yep. you, you built a foundation and a relationship. Right. A first. lot of foundations that I had essentially established myself. You yeah. know, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't taught really a lot of these things. So it was something that, you know, I had been able to finally come to the realization to. So failure right. and success. I right. mean, that's exactly. you're, 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 you're trying to figure out how to be a healthy adult at mm-hmm. this point. Yeah. So you get past this relationship and and what's next for you is as as far as your journey is concerned where where did that kind of propel you to next um i was working you know working a lot just continuing to go to school um where did my relationship go? i ended up uh getting pregnant with landon okay my son um my sister had met her boyf- or her husband at the time, and he had a best friend that they wanted to naturally introduce me to because we were twins. Sure. And we were great friends for a couple years. 
while. We traveled together. Uh, we didn't sleep together. We were great friends for a couple of years. Okay. And then I decided, you know, I think he likes me. He's stuck around. Seems like a good guy. He opens my car door and uh, slept with him a few times in. Got pregnant. Now, I will say before I got pregnant, uh, I sensed that he didn't really care about me very deeply once we started sleeping together. I could feel it. You know, I felt like it was more of an objectification, and uh, that came out in some anger. I had some pretty deep anger that came out. So, okay, I want to I wanna just tap into this just a little bit because this is yeah. this is that gift. Yep. That empathic gift that yep. you've had since that you're sensing, you're feeling something. I mean, someone else's intentions. Now, granted, I get it. During an intimate act, you're in tune with the other person. or And so when you're out of tune with someone, you feel that as well. But to pick up on something so very specific, I mean, and there's a pattern here, Heather, that you've always had that, that ability. So it's interesting that the anger spills out. Right. Because that has been an emotion, and you've been talking about this, that it's been something that you've suppressed in the past. So it's it, it speaks to personal growth and and that awareness again right. that you're becoming much more aware of not only what's going on with you, but what's going on with someone else and the interaction, the intention towards you and, and how – so just listening to all that, like you, you're turning a corner uh, emotionally – that it just in the your disclosure here, I, I could hear just like you're that that there's an there's an awakening in you as to people around you, the environment, and the interaction that's taking place. And uh, man, I just that that's a that's a huge moment. It is um, for any person in their maturity and in their personal growth. And uh, but what an interesting moment that that is because. Uh, like you said, you're you're, you're pregnant with Landon. Mm-hmm. So when when you know that you're, you're pregnant with Landon and you find out, uh, again, do you have to go through that negotiation with with God? Are you at this point you have a sense that you got this? What goes um, through your mind? I was scared. Sure, because I had you know the condom didn't work, so basically I'd taken Plan B. Of course, so. You know, we had tried to not get pregnant. Right. So when I found out I was, it was pretty, you know, pretty shocking. Sure. And, uh, you know, I told Landon's dad about it. And, you know, I will give it to him because at first he was like, oh, that's that's great. But the thing was, is he hadn't been talking to me for, you know, about a month before that. And um, because like I said, I had gotten really angry with the sex the way that it was. And I had been drinking and I did. I exploded on him big time. So naturally, I don't judge him at all. He, well, he stopped talking to me. He withdrew, right? Yeah, he He withdrew. withdrew. You felt manipulated. You reacted to what you felt was manipulated, regardless of whether he was manipulating you. Yeah, or whether not. it was that's the not, intention. That's right. irrelevant. It was just how you, you felt. Right. If right. you felt manipulated, then who's to say that? Like, right. someone cannot manipulate someone else, and someone can interpret it as manipulation. The emotions yeah. remain. Right. So there's this. There's there's a relational severing. Right. There, you find out, and and uh, and so, 
again, I just, again, you're, you're going forward in life. You, mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So I, you know, I told him and, uh, basically brought his attention. Like you and I aren't even talking. This is, how are we going to, you know, what are we doing with this? I'm pregnant. And so then he said, well, you know, I think you should get an abortion. And, uh, I just spent the next couple weeks really soul searching a mess. It was a mess journaling, praying, um, everything. And I decided to get the abortion. So he drove me to the clinic. I vomited the second I opened the door. We walked inside and, you know, I went back and she ultrasounded me. And right then I just asked her, can I see, you know, I want to see the baby and saw it. And I just walked out and I told Rich, I can't do this. I asked him to pay for the ultrasound and he got in the car and he was crying because I, that I was keeping the baby, which I don't, uh, I, I understand, you know, he, he had in that moment lost control over his life and, um, essentially was going to have a baby with someone that he didn't want one with. And, you know, I, I understand that. And he had saw a side, you know, the anger is something that he had never seen in me for two years. So, when that came out, I, I don't blame him at all for that. Um, I don't blame him for that. What can you share with, with women that, that might find themselves in a similar yeah. circumstance? Because you, you, you had pressure to do, well, you, you had two different points. One where there was no pressure on you and you thought you might have an abortion. And then second, uh, this, the second time with, and then here with Landon, where you were pretty certain that you were going to have an abortion to the mm-hmm. point of where you went to the clinic, you had agreement mm-hmm. with, with your partner that, that that was what you were going to do. Yet you walked out of there making a decision to do something else. What would be the advice that you would, that you would give someone in that similar circumstance from your point of view that faced with that same decision, um, you know, how would you, how would you encourage them to, to look and handle that circumstance? It's very difficult, very difficult. And I mean, I can't believe it'd be any more isolating than that because as, as much as his life is affected, your life is truly affected and, and obviously going forward by yourself. And, and I knew that, um, the second that I decided to not get the abortion, I knew that I was going to be a single mom. Sure. And uh, I knew that Rich was going to be extremely angry and sad. My advice would be to to don't think in the temporary. You know, for people that are deciding whether they're going to get an abortion or not, to not only think in the temporary. Because... Um, I've looked at my son many times and I can't imagine I've had to look at him and I've cried a lot of tears of, uh, what could have been sure what could have been and how close it was. And And things change. Circumstances change. Things, um, things don't stay this, the way they are in that moment when you're deciding to get an abortion or not. Mm. That's a, that's a really powerful statement. Very powerful right there. Yeah. That uh, 
that when you have mm. a chance to look back, yeah, the power of that ability to look back and to look back knowing that you, for you anyways, that you made the right decision, you know, and, and the emotion attached obviously to that. Um, I think the one thing that, that I've learned is that I don't think you know what love is until you have a child. I can honestly mm-hmm. say that. I don't think I knew what love really was until I had a child. Uh, so I, I can't, I can't even imagine you from that, that standpoint, looking, looking back, I could understand why you would, you would say how emotional you were with that perspective. So Heather, I just want to say thank you for sharing that part of uh, this this area because it's incredibly, incredibly personal, right? And uh, and it takes an incredible amount of vulnerability to to share all of this. Um, so I just want to I want to thank you for that because your vulnerability I think could could help at least give someone perspective in a true time of crisis. Um, so you decide to have Landon. And one thing I want to say sure. to that Absolutely. as well is, you know. I can look at my son and, um, you know, I've, I can say that on this life that I've saved a life. Yes. And that's, um, that's amazing. You know, I can hold my baby and, you know, I saved his life and ultimately he saved mine because, you know, my life had to change once I had him. So we have, we've saved each other's lives and that's amazing, isn't it? mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so Landon saved your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How big was Landon when he was born? Six uh, eleven, I believe. So six pounds, eleven mm-hmm. ounces of of life saving goodness, mm-hmm. and and that's a terrifying moment in itself. I don't it care was. who you Rich are. Rich was in the room, Landon's father. Yeah, which is awesome. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was. Uh, so he he is he's a great dad. You know he did get on board and. Uh, and still it is. was rough at first. Yes, sure. And not at first when Lana was born, but my pregnancy was rough because I was so <laughs> talk about the wrath of a scorned woman. <laughs> Whew. Pregnancy hormones and anger don't mix. Is that and what you're trying to say? Abandonment. No. Yeah. Wow. Mm-mm. So how did you? Well, well, let's go. Let's go ahead. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. So, so Landon comes along, mm-hmm. and his father's in the picture. Which is which is an awesome which is an awesome thing, yeah. And and still is. I'm just mm-hmm. for the for the listening audience. Still is very yeah. much in the picture, which is just it's really cool. Yeah. Amazing. So your life starts to go, and I just want to go ahead and move along. Just you you get you settle into life with Landon. Mm-hmm. Do you finish school at that point? I got my associates and uh, a year away from my bachelor's in social work. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and you're still you're still a massage therapist, mm-hmm. and where does life lead you then? Because life changes drastically once you have landed. Right. We're doing right. yeah. I mean, it was great learning how to be a mom. It was me, him, and and grandpa. You know, grandpa was a big support. He was great. He's he's helped me in the middle of the night. Helped me, you know, he'd take Landon in the morning so I could get some more sleep. He was a huge support. So grandpa's now playing mom, grandma, mm-hmm. daddy, and grandpa. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, that's that's really special. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's just, that's, that's a, what a special relationship mm-hmm. you you had with your grandfather. 
Um, it's, it's, it's amazing those people that step up in, in our moments that are always there mm-hmm. and, and the love that they demonstrate, the love that they act out. Like Those are the people that give us hope mm-hmm. in situations that if they weren't there, if you remove them from the equation, life is very dark. And they, 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 they shine light into places that, that if they weren't there, there would be no light. And so I just think it's really cool when I, when I think about what you're sharing, just his role in, in your life and, and his willingness to take all that on in love and joy. The excitement. He, he gave me a chance to learn how to be a mom in a safe place. And um, the support that I had from him, it was very healing. You know, it was very healing. So you, as you, as you're walking forward now, you, you know, how, just help me with the timeline. How old are you at this point? 25. So you're 25. So eventually you're going to get back out in the scene. You're a single mom. How long Mm -hmm. did it take you to get like back out into the relationship sphere? Usually, you know, it takes them, it takes a minute or so. You're getting used to being a mother. But you're still 25. You're 25. Mm-hmm. You know, most people are graduating from college. Here you are with all this responsibility. Right. Well, Landon started to go stay at his dad overnight, sit two months old for the first time. And okay. That's when I started going to the bar. And, you know, that became a self-medication, like one night a week when he would go. Okay. So I started binge drinking like one night a week there. Wow. As a way to self-medicate, probably from being a single mom or my pain from Rich. You know, I still really wanted a relationship with him. Just pain. Okay. But, um, yeah, moving forward to probably when Lana was two. Yeah, he was about two years old. Um, that's when I got in a relationship for the first time since he was born. And her name... Was, well, I can't, I'm not saying. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah. That's yeah, fine. I forget where I'm that. at. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. I know we're such, it, we're so used to just talking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But, but. But you enter into a relationship. You just had to put a whole new spin on things. Yeah. Yeah. I decided to uh, add some excitement and adventure to my life, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Apparently. You did. But no, so, so in that you found, you found someone who loved and cared you, cared for you and you loved and cared for. Right. She had and, been a best friend of mine when I was a child. She okay. was actually one of me and one of my first crushes. She looked very masculine when I was probably eight, nine. And she was one of my first crushes when I was, was a next door neighbor. And I want to speak to the fact that, and, I, and, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, mm. correct me, please. Cause I'm talking about your life, not mine. But again, this gift of empathy yeah. creates a sensitivity in people for people. And, and so to cross, you know, some people say, oh, it's a, it's a huge boundary to cross. But here you're talking about a lifelong person who's known you since your, your childhood that you've always had a bond to, you've always had a level of attraction to. And so, you know, for some people that say like, oh my gosh, you've, you've always had, you always demonstrated these heterosexual traits. You have a child and then you're now demonstrating, you know, tendencies that are not, well, if you really look at the empathetic standpoint, it, it, the crossover, I mean, and no. explain to me if, if it's, yeah, it, 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 
was it a natural? That didn't matter. Yeah. No, it didn't matter to me at all, you know, and, um, and when we got back in contact, cause we'd lose, lost contact for the teen years. Sure. So she basically came back into my life at that point. Um, so there was a lot of things playing into there. I'd already had the attraction. It was very easy, like, wow, she's flirting with me. And, and it was new and strange. And, uh, and then I was also still, you know, heartbroken and dealing with the stuff with Landon's father. Sure. So there's a lot of things that came into play. Okay. Well, it's kind of interesting too. You mentioned that it was eight is kind of where this thing originated, right? And and that was the whole beginning of the journey of with the 14 year old, right? It was around eight years old is when that interaction had happened. It's kind of fascinating to see things coming in a circle and and and, and kind of turning the coming around full circle, if you will, right? So, so, and you being the person that you are, you said there was, there was no real difference there for you. Yeah. That's, wow. Amazing. Well, I just think that this, this, this speaks to, to me anyways. And like I said, it's just like a right. love of people. Right. Which is the, it, which it is the Heather, which is very much the Heather I know. So yeah, exactly. I don't see, I, it's so funny. It's like, I know when you guys tell your story and I know Aaron has told it from his perspective and now you were going to tell it from your perspective. Um, but it's just, it totally makes, <laughs> it totally makes sense to me. So you're actually, you actually get engaged. Mm-hmm. You get engaged. You're engaged. Very quickly. Yeah. It was all very quick. Were you surprised? Was, was that a sign of things or was that, or was that just the whirlwind? Like the, the passion? Like, no, I felt like I had just lost control of my life along that. You know, she moved out to where I live very quickly and moved in with me and grandpa and Landon very quickly. Grandpa okay. was very supportive. He was probably happy. I just wasn't going to be hurt by a man again. Okay. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it all happened really fast. Okay. So you're engaged. Mm-hmm. Were there? Were, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna bring this up because it, because of the context of Aaron's interview and, and what Aaron has shared. Did your sister have reservations about what she was seeing? Yes. Okay. So that's the. And then I want to just set that up for the listening audience. So, uh, we're just going to fast forward to, to Aaron Mm -hmm. and, uh, your sister is married Mm -hmm. and (laughs) Aaron's a heroin addict that (laughs) that your brother-in-law just thought would be perfect for you. I'm sorry. I just don't have any other, (laughs) it's such a ridiculous way to say it. Um, yeah. But but so Aaron even Aaron even in his recounting and and you can go back and listen to it talks about the fact that that uh, the clothes he, get, he dressed him up and all this stuff he's like I was just he was like I, I was so thin he, and Aaron's a pretty thin guy but he talks that about that point I I it, it wasn't heroin actually at that point it okay was, it was narcotics it was narcotics so. okay thank you mm-hmm. but Aaron and probably some other substance but it wasn't yeah it wasn't been, it wasn't heroin at that mm-hmm. moment. So, but, but to understand that he was, he was not in a good, he was not in a good way. No. He was not in a good shape. Right. He didn't look good. He was, he was, he was very much in an attic stage (laughs) and, and very much a slave to that at that moment. And, and so, uh, it's, 
sweet of you to clarify, but I want to make sure everybody understands. I didn't really miss that. I, no. I, no, he was in, he, he was not in a good way. Yes. And so he, as he tells it, he was sitting on the front porch and, and there was an introduction made. Please go ahead. I wasn't yeah, there. So tell please us tell us, story. tell us how, how you guys yeah. encountered one another. No, my, my sister had told me at some point that there was, that her husband had a friend that she thought I could maybe help because he had some hip problems. So I said, okay. And I forgot about it. And, uh, I walk up to her house. I'm pretty sure hungover from the night before and look in a mess. And I walk up and there's this, this man sitting on her porch swing and I just sit down next to him. It's just me and him outside. And I just, I said, how are you? And I put my hand out and we just held hands and started talking. Had you ever grabbed a stranger's hand? No. Before? No. So you just grabbed Aaron's hand. It was like my, it was like my, my soul was just reunited with someone that was very dear to me that I had missed for a long time. Wow. Did you and Aaron know each other in a past life? We did in heaven, I'm pretty sure. Okay. <laughs> See, I love that answer. Yeah. You know, and it's 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 the truth is, is there are a lot of people that say, "Oh no, it must be a past life experience." Right. No, what it, it it could be simply coming from the same celestial place. Could be and being yeah. reunited in Earth after having to exist in a fallen creation without one another for a very long time. Right. See, there's a whole other perspective on that that I think sometimes those of the Christian faith aren't willing to uh, embrace or explore to say that there is this connection between people. Yet when we read scripture, it, it speaks to one body, one spirit. Mm -hmm. Yet we, we still want to create this disconnection because we don't always know how to explain the narrative. And, uh, and so you guys, obviously, there was, you guys, your, your souls touched. I think it goes beyond soul. I think it was a spirit touch. Mm -hmm. uh, I've never experienced a couple, and I still haven't experienced a couple like the two of you. Yeah. Um, I may never. You guys may be it. I'm serious. Yeah. Um, and, and you guys are so perfect for each other in your imperfections, your humanness. Like we're all in our humanness, but you guys like perfect each other. It's a it's a literal Jerry Maguire had no idea what they were doing when they wrote that line. And when I watch you guys, it's like you guys do complete each other. It's it's not always pretty, it's not always perfect, but you guys do that. And it's an amazing thing. So here you guys, you grab, you grab Aaron's hand, you start talking to him and he speaks to the fact that he started crying. Mm -hmm. Did you cry as well? When, when in that recognition, like I, in that moment, I think I was just wondering what was going on. I, I maybe had tears come in my eyes, but I, I could tell that he was extremely, um, he was very touched and I was just, uh, I was really over overcome with what is this new emotion I'm feeling? Okay. So wow. you're engaged. <laughs> yeah. You just had this encounter. Mm -hmm. You're engaged to, to a woman. Yeah. Aaron's got all kinds of addiction issues. Which I was not in a good place at all. We were drinking together way too much. Uh, 
me and her were in a very bad spot. We had been on the way out of that relationship for quite some time. Okay. So you start hanging out with Aaron. Right. He, um, I actually invited him over. He came over to dinner with me and my ex and my grandpa. Okay. Uh, my plan, you know, I had went home, although we weren't, we weren't happy. I was still faithful. We went, I went home to her and told her, Oh, I, you know, met this guy today that I think, you know, I'd like to be friends with. And, you know, he came over for dinner, met my ex and, uh, that's where things were. So share with us, how does this progress? Cause this is, this, I mean, it's, yeah. This is this is so so complex and right. so messy on on mm-hmm. different levels, and I'm not even and it's true saying life, your life. Yeah. I'm speaking right. to just Aaron's condition as well, and and everybody that involves. So a lot of variables. Yeah, there's just yeah. a lot of variables, a lot of things going on. So, so. Well, first thing he came, um, he came to Las Vegas with me to drop my son off. Okay. At his dad's one time, still me, my ex and I are still slowly tiptoeing our way out of the dysfunction we were in. Uh, But I had mentioned to Aaron um, before, I should note that when I was about 21, 22, I had sang worship at a church in town for a couple years and stepped away because I was questioning whether Jesus existed for pretty much this whole time for years. So at this time I had no relationship with Jesus. Uh, I really just focused on meditation and trying to be present and crystal healing, things like that. So that, and I assumed Aaron that that's where he was. Cause I just thought with his style, he and, looked uh, like that guy. He looked like that guy, <laughs> which is what I like. You know, that was one yeah. thing I liked about him. Very attractive. Yes. His heart was on his sleeve mm-hmm. and uh, he was very open. His, his eye contact, he was just very vulnerable but I assumed that he was kind of into the same things I was spiritually at that time. Okay. So on the way to Vegas, I was going through my glove box, pulled out an old worship CD that I love from an artist named Misty Edwards. And he looked at me and said, you know Misty Edwards? And I looked at him and said, you do? And uh, I just told him I used to sing worship. And he goes, dang it, God. And he just asks if he could pray with me and he held my hand. And next thing I know, I'm just feeling that Holy Spirit feeling like I felt in that trailer park that one time. And I just. So you hadn't felt, you hadn't felt that since. No. Wow. So it was a confirmation that there was something that you were allowed to feel so that in that moment there could be, that the presence could, could manifest again, that you would, you would have a confirmation. This is safe, right? Mm-hmm. That this is this is me. And how many years had passed between the two events? Um, ten. Wow. So a significant ten. period. Of significant. Time. Yeah, absolutely. So, any thought of Jesus at this point? You're you because you because you're saying like you're you're you know you'd already say like, ah this is this is all bunk. Right. This is you, you. You've shifted back to the esoteric thing, and and you know playing with it, which is understandable. And and but now you're starting to experience something that's that's you've experienced before, and then there's something actually real here. Well, when I had started questioning, I 
prayed and I asked God, I just told God one day, I said, I'm questioning whether you existed, Jesus, and I'm scared and I don't know what to do about it. So if you're real, you know, I'm here. And I just kind of stepped away. Two months before I met Aaron, I had a dream. And uh, I had been out of worship for years at this point. Okay. I was in the relationship, the dysfunctional one I was in at that time. And uh, had a dream that I was walking through a field, like a rolling hill park. And I came up to a circle of people that stood up and they started singing an old worship song that I used to sing in church years and years back. And I started singing with them. And uh, next thing I know, I just felt this urge inside of me to put my hands up in the air and to praise God, which, you know, I used to go to a very conservative, conservative church, so they never did anything like that. I never seen that. And I remember in my dream in that moment, I felt shy. I felt like, oh, there's so many people around here that aren't doing this. They're going to look at me. But I said, no, I'm doing it. And I put my arms up. And I just loved God for a minute, for my first time, like that. And everybody stopped singing. And I just went walking through these crowds of people by myself again. And uh, Jesus started walking up to me. And uh, he, he just came up to me. And I, I looked up at him. And I just said, thanks for never leaving me. And I just hugged him. And I woke up with tears just pouring out of my eyes and those chills. And uh, I remember that day I had felt joy that I hadn't felt in years, even though I was still in that really, really rough relationship. And then two months later, I, I met Aaron. So Jesus is, it had been leading. You had, te- you had called out and said, I need to know whether you're real or not. You, you have this dream. It gives you what dream or vision. However you, however you look at it and experience it, did that give you the confirmation that Jesus was looking out for you, that, that there was this existent relationship, and that you were okay? Mm-hmm. That I would be. That you would be. And mm-hmm. so... I had me- been crying out a lot during when I was drinking really heavy. I had been okay. crying out to the Lord, to God, to anybody that would listen <laughs> for quite some time. Okay. And so, and this is to understand that this is this is in the middle of a, a messy process. Right. Like you know, this isn't this isn't a moment that's stopping the drinking. This isn't a moment no. that's no. You're, you're you're perpetuating all these things, yeah. and and so to understand that, that God works in the mess. Yeah. Uh, and that and that's the, the the testimony. That's the that's the evidence that you know so many people. Uh, have and, and and there's different kinds of mess. There's different kinds of delusion. We we all operate and suffer from some different point or another. Uh, and so I, <laughs> so you and Heather, you you and Aaron are sharing this this praise and worship moment. He says, "Dang it, God!" Yeah. You know, oh come on, Jesus! <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I can hear him. I can. Yeah. I can well, he actually mentioned it. Well, he's had moments interview. like that yeah. with me. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, come on. Uh, so <laughs> Aaron is like the king. Is he not the king of God aha moments? Like most people get like one or two. He said like 3,000. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets a couple a day. Yeah. Oh, so it's, <laughs> oh, I love your husband. I do. <laughs> so he, 
So here you guys are. You guys are you're starting to share a bond that you really don't have with anybody else. And I know Aaron has mentioned that as well. Like he didn't have that bond really with anybody else as well. How does that start to <laughs> you guys you 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 drinking and doing your thing. He's definitely doing whatever he's doing and 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 somehow this connection starts to lead you guys on a path to relationship with Jesus. Like it was really like the three of you guys coming together, not really the one. And then the other, he, he merged the two of you towards him at the same time. It was a a singular action. Yeah. We, we just began falling in love to singing worship together. Really. That's what we would do with our pastime is we would, we would just, he would play and I never sing one-on-one with anybody. And I never uh, poured my heart out to God like that. So that's we just that's what we did on our free time. How does this start to change your life? I just became more and more obsessed with Jesus. You know, um, my grandpa had been diagnosed with stage four cancer. Mm. Uh, well, I, quite a while before I met Aaron. Okay. So he, you know, he was declining. So it was a uh, multifaceted where I was running to the Lord. Um, because I, I didn't have the choice once my grandpa got bedridden to go to the bar anymore. Uh, the day I met Aaron drastically changed the way that I was living. Um, well, the day I met Jesus, you know, Jesus was there the day mm-hmm. that I that Aaron prayed with me. So everything just uh, started changing. So I couldn't continue going to the bar. So my options were I either do something good for myself and try to figure out and learn what seeking God is, or I bring the bar to my house. And I knew I didn't want to do that. So take us, take us through this. I mean, because so you and Aaron are now, he has all this experience with Christianity. You really don't. None. No. And so, what is Aaron able to, to kind of open the door? What was, what was he able to do to kind of help that process? Was it just simply being available or, or did, did God use him to kind of bring clarity? I, I'm just trying to remember because I want to, and I want your perspective on it. I know his perspective, but I want your perspective on he it. He introduced me, you know, Aaron showed me the Holy spirit. Really? Okay. I mean, I had never, um, all I knew was hellfire and brim, brimstone. That's it. So next thing I know, um, he's talking to the Holy Spirit. He's he's um, singing worship songs, and he's showing me teachings that are about what it means to have the Holy Spirit living in us. And um, it was all very, very new to me. And I was I was just obsessed with learning about it. So the um, the... If you can, what is that? What is that experience like? Because you started to interact with the Holy Spirit as well. Mm-hmm. Not that you hadn't before that voice and all of that interaction that had right. taken place, but it starts. It starts to take on a a, a level of uh, intimacy that hadn't existed before. Um, I started to learn to to meet God as a daddy. I started to meet that and I started to understand and get to know Jesus as my beloved and that I was his. And, um, I started having more dreams 
Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that can hear, that can hear very clearly what the Holy Spirit puts puts in your heart, you know. And um, Aaron showed a lot of that to me, and I was able to see a lot of that with other people and started to experience that myself the more that I learned to, to listen and to quiet my mind. So what has changed in how, – how has God changed your life since that time? Like as you, you've encountered him – in a, in a deeper way since that time. I know I just, just being a part of because I being a part of your walk in, in some part, um, I've gotten to see it, but from your perspective, from, from that time and all that that was going on in your life and in that moment, in those moments where you and Aaron first encountered one another to where God has brought you now, what, I mean, when you think about it, you know, how, how has your life, how has your life changed? I mean, there's the obvious, but... I understand what more of what forgiveness is. Um, I understand what grace and mercy means more. I um, am learning to love myself and to not... He's currently breaking me away from that religious mindset of um, self-criticism. You know, when, when the first thing you learn about a higher being is to repent, 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 or you'll go to hell, uh, that can really, that can be extremely damaging because it, it teaches, if that matters to you, it can teach you to always be looking at what you're not doing well enough. And that is what I learned at a very young age. And he's breaking me away from that and uh, teaching me to just live as a, as a loved daughter and not as someone that's constantly beating myself up emotionally. Sure. Kind of goes back to what we were talking about during one of the breaks, just being, right? Just yeah. just to be, right? That's the hardest thing is to just be. To 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 be in that place of vulnerability and honesty with ourselves where we can accept that reality that I can just be in in this whatever you believe it to be, whether you believe it to be God, metaphysical, whatever, angels, whatever, the reality is if you can just be what you were always intended to be, then all things will start to line up for you, right? And, and you're starting to have this re revelation or this realization, maybe even this acknowledgement in your life that you've been searching through your whole life trying to find. You know, it, who's going to stand for me, right? You keep saying... All through your story, it's like you, you went so many different times. Will you stand for me? And people just said, no, they wouldn't. Time and time again, yet here you had this encounter, and it wasn't a physical encounter. It's a metaphysical encounter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's more real than all of the contact you've had up to this point in your life. Oh. The, these transitions are powerful, you know, and, and this is the thing we've discovered about, you know, starting to have these conversations with people of all faiths and backgrounds and beliefs. Is, is that the reality? And I think Aaron said it well. He was always in search of the real. Mm -hmm. He always looking for the real. Didn't matter, light or dark, didn't matter. He was looking for real. And I think that really speaks volumes to a lot of people. We're, we're just looking for the real. Right. So I'm just curious because you have gone through so much. You, 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 we, we've covered such a, man, wow. just a, just a wide variance of, of things that, I mean, it just could have sowed so much hatred and so much bitterness into your life that you could yeah. have, you didn't play the victim. You didn't play the victim. You, you've, 
you've marched forward in your life. You've, you've, you've taken, uh, you know, you've taken responsibility where there's responsibility. Otherwise you, you can't, you can't even say, Hey, I need God because you know, you'd be angry at him. I mean, right. what do you say to people who have gone through uh, things with, you know, whether it be an absent parent or, or family that has manipulated you, whether it be for the right or the wrong reasons or or someone's abused you. Right. What would you say to 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 those to people out there that have gone through these things yeah. based on what you've encountered spiritually? Right. What what would you share with them after looking back at at at, at the life experiences you've had and where you've ended up? Um well, what you what you go through doesn't dictate who you are. Right. That's what good. what you go through doesn't it it can't and you you have very narrow paths that you can take. You know, you're either going to um, live your life with the accepting a, a victim state, or you're or you're not. We don't we don't have, and and that doesn't mean that we can't feel pain over what we've experienced, right? Sure. That doesn't mean that we shove it down because that's not good either. But. Um, Living from a place of of victimhood will only manifest victimhood. And um, if we can constantly keep our our head and our eyes and our heart focused on on moving forward and not letting bitterness, because I've tasted moments of bitterness, uh, and that bitterness is a quick one. I mean that that will transform you quicker than anything into someone that you don't want to be bitterness, whether it's with Aaron or, you know, my mother's in my life now, but unfortunately she is struggling with severe mental illness and our relationship is very unhealthy most of the time. And, uh, bitterness is very dangerous if you let that take root in your heart, but in your mind. So if you, you know, if you see yourself brooding over things or thinking about things that agitate you about your spouse or negativity, you know, catch that. Really sit down and get quiet and focus on, on, on grace and on seeing another person's perspective, where they're at, how they've maybe gotten to where they are, and going from there, not from what you want from them. You and Aaron break all the religious stereotypes, <laughs> and, and there's a lot of negative ones. Yeah. Uh, with with what is Western Christianity, um, and I know that for a fact that you guys are not acceptable to most Western Christians in a lot of ways. Right. That's all right. Uh, I know. That's yeah. why we hang out. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, uh, your spiritual relationship with with Jesus, um how has that transformed your life and how has that kept you um, in, in such a way that, that you can, you can rise above, you can navigate that you can, that you can become the person that you are after experiencing everything. I mean, it just, there's so much you and Aaron have been through so much individually. And then even as a couple, how has God kept the two of you afloat uh, together and growing. I mean, how, how does that, how does that work? You guys have overcome massive odds. 
and you're thriving. How? If you can put in words for, right. for the listening audience, how God has been present and 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 has uh, your relationship spiritually with Jesus has helped you all uh, not just survive, but thrive. I think for me, forgiveness and patience have been, we joke about it, but patience has really been huge. You know, realizing we're all on a different, our journeys all look different and sure. we're all on different parts mentally and emotionally and that that's okay. Yeah. There's grace for that. Yeah. There's, you know, love can take care of that. Um, another thing that, that the Lord's showing me right now is how we can, you know, there's a part in the Bible that says that Jesus's yoke is easy and his burden is light. And that's one thing he's helped me with currently is our, you know, our habit as humans to carry a very heavy burden of expectation that we place on ourselves. And, um, I think that that's, that can be very unhealthy mentally, spiritually, relationally, when we, when we take on too much, or we think that we have to carry all of this that we're not meant to. So just trusting and releasing yourself to something that you were never supposed to carry in the first place. Wow. That's amazing. Cause I was just having the thought and I was going to ask you the question about, you know, being this this empath that we know we've clearly identified your, your ability to empathize, right? It's just natural and innate within you. You're it's there. It's just part of who you are. And yet now you're talking about, you know, you have to, you have to realize that even though you have this ability, you have to understand how to use it and operate in it fully. And so I, I'm hearing you say that, you know, the way you described your life early on and now the way you're, you're describing the journey that you're on, you're not there yet. We get that. But you're talking about having to let go of the burden. You know, these things do burden us, right? I mean, there's something innate in all of us that just naturally burdens us. And, and I'm fascinated as, you're, as your journey is developing, do you start to have clarity about how you've developed and, and how that has become more real to you, maybe more balanced? I don't know the right oh, yeah. word. Completely. I mean, I can see things clearly now where the incessant talk, you know, the, oh, you have to do better at this or blah, are you blah, talking blah. In, Are you talking internal talk yeah, to yourself, the, right? The self -talk. Your self-speak. Yeah, right. your self-speak, right. The self-speak. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes we just have to tell the shut the fuck up. Yeah, yep. there you go. Bingo. We have Bingo. to. We have Bingo. To, that's I, huge right there. That's what I've realized is um, I, my whole life, you know, that's where the worry wart, all of these things, yeah. you know, I, you say an empath, that's true, but it had manifested into worry and doubt and all of these things because it was out of balance. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we just have to tell our, our minds to stop mm -hmm. and the, the self-criticism has to stop. Right. Just uh, ending here, yeah, Heather. Uh, just, just I, I have to, I have to ask for those out there because I know that you experienced moments of doubt and and even let I'll go as far as say confusion. What would you say to those people who say, you know, Jesus doesn't exist? What would you tell them? Just get quiet and spend some time, and you'll see otherwise. I love it. 
I love right it. to the point. Yeah. Just right to the point. Heather, we just thank you so much. Yeah, it's been for, amazing. Uh, spending the time with us and being as vulnerable yeah. as you've been and uh, going places that I tell you a lot of people would be very afraid to go. And, uh, you know, we're really grateful. Yeah, and I, and definitely. I, and I hope for those who are listening to this that you're as, you've been as touched as, as we have. Um, sitting here in the studio with her and Heather, we just, we're just grateful for your time yeah. and uh, it takes energy. It takes a lot of energy to do this. Yeah. And so it does a lot of bravery. Yeah. And uh, like I said, we just, we're very grateful for your, for your presence and your story and that right. you would share it with us. Yep. So thank you for being yeah, here. Thanks for that. Thank you for having me. Well, for Mark Rasmussen, God's immutable tap dancing chimpanzee, and I'm Chris Solak, and the guy with the blank expression on his face <laughs> over there to my right is uh, our producer, Schmarcus. Thank we you, We would Schmarcus. like to say to you as a listening audience, we thank you once again for spending time with us here on Bad Dogma. Till next time, be careful out there. Thank you for listening to Bad Dogma, the podcast produced by FBM Productions. Special thanks to our production team, Stephen Hudson, Marcus Bickle, and I'm Barry Hasselman. Bad Dogma, unveiling the truth one podcast at a time.